Bible, you copy of God's Word and re- look at Revelation chapter number 6 and just hang on a second, just sit right there for just a minute, Revelation chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be reading two verses this morning, we're going to try to stretch that out in at least an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes, but I um, wanted to invite you, um, we will not have services here tonight in our church, we will have services at New Lebanon Baptist Church, uh, which is in Springville, the church bus will leave here if you want to ride the church bus, there's enough for 24, well there's enough for 23 I know at least, because Brian has to have, I think uh, the driver has to have a seat. So he's going to be leaving here and uh, need to be here at 445 if you can. But uh, we're going to have a good time. They're having a good revival over there. We get the opportunity to be able to preach and to sing tonight there. Um, it's not that far away. It's about 45 minutes, something like that. But it's a good time. And uh, just we're praying that the air works this year. Uh, last year or three years ago, it didn't seem to be working. And uh, we're going to have a really good time. we got a lot of songs, and Patty and Andrew and Jacob and them will really be singing probably more than anything, and uh, a lot of good songs talking about the love of God all through them. And so um, I just wanted to invite you to come and to be with us tonight. Last Sunday night, there was a uh, uh, 83-year-old deacon that got saved. I think, man, you last that long, you're pushing it. But if you're a deacon, you're really pushing it. And uh, he got saved. He lived his life of working and working and working. And some people say, well, I thought one of the requirements of being a deacon was to be saved. That really does help out a whole lot. And uh, it should be that way. But all you can do is go by what someone testifies and says. And sometimes we can be fooled by looking at good works and stuff. And so we have to know that it's a matter of the own heart. And it's not a matter of what we think about people. Amen. And there's been people in this church... Uh, been members for 20-something years and uh, get saved at a revival meeting. And one revival preached, had the honor of helping out and preaching. It went for a long time, and like 48 church members, or 48 people got saved, and like 20 of them were church members and stuff. So you think about it for a moment. Um, just because you go to church doesn't matter. you got to go by way of the cross, like she said. But uh, it's one of those things where they have like a jammed-up July and an awesome August, and this is called Spectacular September, and then... Everybody else will love the next one. It's uh, No Shave November, so we'll do that one next. But uh, I thought I'd get a little more about that, but it's all right. I didn't, so we'll just go into preaching. Revelation chapter 6, and stand with me for reading God's Word. Amen. And I'm going to be just like one of my preacher friends today, and uh, I'm going to have a good time, and I'm going to have myself a time of worship. And we can sit there if we want, but we need to worship the Lord. I appreciate Andrew singing those songs this morning. That second song is one that I know he's been preparing and listening to the messages. And sometimes they gather songs and you think, well, what do they do? They're, they're paying attention to the messages and they're listening. And if you heard that song, is he's worthy. He's worthy. Understanding that we know we just got out of the throne room and we've been saying that he is worthy. He is worthy. And let me tell you something, church. Look at me, if you would, real quick. Don't ever get tired of worshiping and saying that he's worthy. Don't think because you've come to church your whole life that you're exempt from that now. You need to always declare that He is worthy. He is worthy. And we don't need to forget that because when we get to heaven, all of that stuff is going to just almost in a matter of moments or seconds in the twinkling of an eye. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. And then all of a sudden, Brother Ricky, one seal is going to be unloosed. And now judgment is coming. As much as I would like to stay in the throne room again this Sunday, we can't do that. You got to look at Revelation chapter 6, look at verse number 1. It says, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four living creatures or the four beasts saying, Come. And it says in your scriptures there, and see. It says, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Father, as we pray today, we ask for your wisdom. Lord, you've told us in James that if any person's lack wisdom to ask you for it. And God, we seek you today. And Lord, I just pray that as we've studied, we've prepared, we've, Lord, looked and dissected and Lord, prayed for discernment and Lord, asked and pleaded for you, Lord, that your blessing, Lord, your anointing would be upon the scriptures. God, today, we just simply give it out. Lord, we ask you to please, Lord, help us today. In Christ's name, we pray all of these things. Amen. You know, church, this morning I was up uh, way before, uh, about, I got up about 5 o'clock, got up about 4.30, was out in studying in the studio and was just praying and asking God to be with us. And uh, knowing that this is going to be one of those subjects that is going to uh, 
be impactful. It's one of those things that you preach about that you can't just go, we're just going to rush through this and kind of go over these things. We really, really, really got to really look close at these things. Um, Church, I know that you want to come. I know that you as a visitor, if you're a visitor here today or you're a member of this church, I know that you want to come and that when you leave, you want to feel like that you have been touched by the sugar gumdrop fairy and all that and leave feeling all so good inside and we want to walk out of here just kind of high-stepping it and living on cloud nine and all these things. But these are tough scriptures to talk about. Most everyone loves to look in the book of Revelation. And man, I love hearing that amen on that one. Amen. But we look at the book of Revelation and we get around chapter number five and we want to kind of just go, you know what, that's good enough. We'll stop around in there because I don't understand the seals. I don't understand the trumpets. I don't understand the bowls or the vials of wrath that are being poured out upon the earth. I don't understand what he talks about a great sea and a beast coming out of the sea. I don't understand how a beast could have a head wound and yet it actually being resurrected out of a pit. I don't understand those things. And the reason is, is listen, because sometimes you don't choose to just take your time and to listen to the Scriptures and to take time to read the Scriptures and to take time to pray and ask God to help you. Most people love looking at the account of Genesis and seeing the creation, but then when they get to the book of Leviticus, they kind of drop it to the side because it's so hard to read sometimes. But it's really not. But this is very important for you. And I want to ask you to really pay attention today. I want, you to, I want to ask you to kind of please keep the bathroom breaks to a real small minimum I want to ask you to really focus on somebody that's your neighbor. So if you decide to sleep, don't snore. If you want to sit there and sleep, then my office is opened up. You can watch it on the television, and you can act like in a recliner, and you can go to sleep there. But this is very, very vital for the people today. This is very important for not only people of the world that need to hear this, but also to the church. Listen, you've got a brother or a sister or a mother or a dad or a son or a daughter that needs to hear these words. You have somebody in your life that you work with, whether it's at the steel mill or at the fire hall or it's at some office building somewhere. You've got people that are all around you. And listen, if the church would ever stop for a moment and realize that people will be left behind, if they would ever stop for a moment, Brother John, and realize that those people, unbelieving, not because of God, not because of Jesus, but because of their unbelief, they're going to be left behind, Brother Adam, then this would be a burdened message for you today to go, you know what, I don't want my worst enemy to go through that. I would not want any person to go to hell. I would not want any person, listen, and we ain't even getting to talk about dying and spending eternity in flames. We're talking about judgment that's going to happen on this earth, things that are difficult. This series here, this whole Revelation series, everybody loves the beginning. Chapter 1 talks all about Jesus and who was and is and is to come. And chapters 2 and 3, we love to hear about the churches. Sometimes it's hard to swallow because why? Brother Mitch, it's hard for us to understand that we could be that church and we could be messed up like them. Or we could get so excited because we may be doing things right like certain churches and stuff, you know. But it's a culmination of chapters 2 and 3 that now the church age is finished. We don't read about the church anymore on earth after Revelation chapter number 3 in chapter number 4 and verse 1 the church is out of here okay we are raptured out of here in the words of genie on Aladdin we're out of here right and we're gone and then you read about the throne room and you read about all this beautiful worship that's happening and then there's this one thing that sticks out even Jesus he sticks out above all things he's standing there as a lamb that had been slain but then all of a sudden one thing sticks out in the right hand of him who sat on the throne all of heaven seemed to point to it and look at it all of heaven's attention seemed to turn as though if God himself brother Brody took that scroll or that writing that biblion is the Greek word that writing in his right hand and it's almost as if we can see God the Father on the throne holding up that scroll and now clay all attention is looking over at God the Father and there's that writing that's in his hand Biblion is the word that we get our Bible word for, books. It's books, a series of books, Holy Biblion. It's a, it's a series, and God's got a writing in His hand. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be rolled up in a scroll fashion or it has to be binded up in a book fashion. It means that God has a writing that's given. You remember the Bible says that God hates divorce, and He says, therefore, He did not give the decree or the writing of divorcement, but Moses did those things because of the hardness of their hearts. 
That word that he says that Moses gave that decree or that writing, it is the same word, Biblion. He said that he outlined certain things in there in order to release that person from another person, okay? A man from a woman or a woman from a man. The Bible says that God the Father has a writing that's in his hand. And it is so important that heaven looks at it But it is so important that John weeps because nobody's worthy to open it. Then all of a sudden, heaven kicks it up an octave and they begin to shout and praise because there's the Lamb of God and then He's the one that's worthy. And in Revelation chapter 6, the whole scene of heaven changes. Everything that we have seen in heaven's throne room now is going to be opened up with one first seal and everything on earth is going to be touched by this. Everything on earth is going to be impacted by this seal. And I want to share something with you. I think on the back side of your study notes, and you can look at that later on when you go home, and that would help me not to have to preach that stuff and to share it with you. But this, this judgment is actually seven sets of seven if you look at it. Brother Josh, it's seven sets of seven. And if you look at these things, they actually telescope one from another. Actually, you have this first thing that is seven seals that are sealing up this writing of God. And whenever that first seal is opened up, Brother John, it's almost as if that page now is being revealed and something is shown in that. The second seal will be opened up, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all the way through. But then when we get to that seventh seal, it actually telescopes into the seventh seal is seven trumpets of God that are going to sound out against the earth. But then as that telescope opens up, you got that first uh, first trumpet, which is actually the seventh seal together, opening these things up, and the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way to the seventh, at the seventh trumpet, it telescopes into God has wrath, vials, bowls of wrath that he will pour out upon the earth. And you say, but Brother Steve, what does it all mean? It means that God is not doing something just carelessly or by happenstance. God's not doing something flippantly or just carelessly, it means that he is long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But when it comes to God's judgment, he is swift, but he is correct in his judgment. He is swift, fast, but he's also righteous in his judgment. And he's got it laid out in seven sets of seven, which means what? It means that he will have perfection. Not only just perfection... But if we look at the Trinity itself being God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we have three of those sets of seven, that it's going to be perfect for all accounts. And you say, well, really, Steve, I don't understand. Do you remember the parable? The Bible says, and I'm going to go through this quick. The Bible says that a man had a vineyard and he lent it out to a husbandman. The Bible says that certain people came by and it says that they were going to come and do all these things. It says that the keepers of that vineyard, it said it stoned some of them. And he was talking about the prophets. He stoned some, they sawed some in two, they killed them, they did all these things. But then the Bible says that he would send what? He would send his son down there because surely they'll reverence my son. The Bible says as soon as they saw that it was a son and that he was the heir to receive that wonderful vineyard, they did what? They laid hold on him and they killed him so that the vineyard could be theirs. You know what the scripture teaches us is that from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi, God had his word spoken by himself. Then, Brother Bill, he spoke through the mouths of prophets. He spoke the word of God to do what? To bring people to forgiveness of sins and repentance to himself. But they rejected God the Father. And when they rejected God the Father, what did he do? He said, look, I'll send my son. They will reverence my son. But when they saw his son, they did what? They crucified him, placed him on a cross, killed him, mutilated his body, put him in a grave. But yet on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then we have Stephen in the book of Acts, chapter number 7 through chapter number 9, preaching what? That God the Father sent the prophets, and you killed them, and you stoned them. But God in these days has sent his son. And if you will believe and trust in him, you would be saved. But then the last thing, what did Stephen say? He says, you stiff-necked. You know what that means? You hard-headed, hard-hearted people. He said, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. You know what he was saying? You've rejected God the Father. You've rejected God the Son. And now you're rejecting God the Holy Spirit. And what does the Bible say? That the only unpardonable sin is to reject or blaspheme against the Holy Ghost. And you know what that means? It means that you've got no more choices. If you've rejected the Father and you've rejected the Son, and now you reject the Holy Spirit in these days that you live now, there's no one else to turn to. There's no Muhammad. 
There's no Sung Young Moon. There's no other prophet that's going to rise up and you're going to get forgiveness through them. If you reject the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you have no forgiveness of sins. And so it says that these seven sets of seven roll out and now they're going to telescope from one another. Let's quickly look at this first one. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, And I saw when the Lamb opened the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder. It says one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw him. Behold, a wild horse and he that sat on him had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. I want you to look at this white horse. Number one, this white horse and its rider, okay? It's not on your notes. I just want you to think about it for a moment. And I want you to look at something very closely. In verse number one of Revelation chapter six, it says, And when I saw the lamb, you keep it there, Josh. When I saw the lamb open the seal, I want to remind you of something through all of this judgment right now. Please listen to this. If you're writing it down, you need to write this down. You got, if you've got some kind of hammer and a chisel and a stone, you need to put this down. Because this is most important. God is in control. God is in control. This rider of the white horse is not in control. The next seal that opens up and reveals another rider of a horse and another rider of a horse and another rider of the horse all the way through the four seals opened up. They are not in control. The Lamb of God opened the seal. And had God not opened the seal, had the Lamb of God, which what is Jesus Christ, who was what, Brother Joe, empowered by His Father. All power is given unto me, both now in heaven and in earth. He has given unto Jesus the authority and the power to rule and to reign and to do what else? Judge. There's only one judge and one lawgiver who is able to save to the uttermost, and His name is Jesus Christ, Scripture says. So now all of the judgment is given to Jesus. And it says he takes that seal, Brother Josh, and he flips that first seal and pulls it off and reveals what is going to happen. But God is still 100% in charge. Don't forget that. Did you know, let me say something to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, and the church is out of here, and we are raptured right now in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're all changed from a corruptible body to an incorruptible body. And we're all out of here. And you're left in these pews right here. Let me tell you something. My Bible will be laying up here. And you can come and read all that you want to. But you're going to be deceived and you're going to think that all chaos is broken loose. But not in heaven. No, 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 no. Not in heaven. God's not sitting around on His throne going, oh, no. What do we do? What do we do? No, no, no. He is perfect in His salvation. He is perfect in His grace. And He will be perfect in His judgment to the world. Because, because He is the perfect Father. Listen, the Father had the scroll and Jesus took it from Him. And God isn't taken off guard by anything. You remember in the book of Daniel that God commanded Daniel to seal up the book that nobody could read it. But now here we find in the book of Revelation, Brother John, what? That God says, open the seals of the book. It says to loose the seals of the book. We are now getting into what we would call the day of the Lord. The day of Jacob's trouble. The great tribulation. People sit around and they go, we're praying for the day of the Lord. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're wrong. Scripturally, you don't understand what you're asking for. But Brother Steve, isn't that the same as the rapture? Absolutely not. The rapture is told unto us that it was a mystery for the days of the church, those that believe in Jesus Christ. They're not two in the same. And you say, how would you know that, Brother Steve? Because Scripture tells us that when he comes in the rapture, Brother Bill, that he is going to come and he is going to send out a shout and the saints of God, the dead in Christ and all those that are alive and remain, are going to be caught up. We're going to go up. The Bible says about the day of the Lord, he is going to come, Brother Butch, and he's going to put one foot on the land and one foot on the sea. You say, well, I wonder what that means. I'm glad that you asked that I can see your intrigued countenance on your face you know why it's because everything that's on the land that was created and everything that is in the sea that is created is created by the almighty creator amen that makes sense makes a whole lot of sense he's going to put his feet on everything that belongs to him this world and everything that was created, that means dog, cats, cattle. It doesn't mean, it, it means, it means people. It means tall people. It means, it doesn't, it means female. It means male. It means all things. Everything created, he's going to put at the day of the Lord. The Bible says about the day of the Lord that's a great and terrible day. 
It says this is the day of darkness and gloominess. This is the day of great smoke and wrath. The Bible says that Peter preached about it in Acts chapter number 2 and gave him a little bit of a glimpse. And you know what that glimpse was? He said in that day the sun would be darkened and the moon would turn to blood and the stars would fall out of their sockets in the skies. He said that great and terrible day, what he's talking about is a day of judgment. And you get in the house of God and get somebody that's not preaching the truth of the Word of God and before long you get a house full of people going, we're praying for the day of the Lord. We're ready for the day of the Lord. You're not ready for the day of the Lord. You're not ready for the wrath of God. You're not ready for this earth to be baptized in fire. We're not ready for that. It is coming. You don't ask God for that. No, what do we do? As the church, we say, oh Lord, we ask you to please, Lord, let your will be done. Lord, like it is in heaven, let it be on earth. Let everything, Lord, be no chaos, no anything at all. But listen, in Revelation chapter 6 all the way to 18, there is, there is turmoil, there is chaos. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. He said it's like the world has never known since it was created. It's called the day of the Lord. Listen, the second thing is called Jacob's trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble. It's also known to us today as the Great Tribulation, capital T, Tribulation, not lowercase. We all have tribulation. We all have sorrows and heartaches. It says the great tribulation. Listen, one of the four creatures, whenever that seal is opened up, one of the four creatures starts shouting out those living creatures. You remember what it was? It was those cherubim. It was one of those angels that declared out. And look at what he says in that scripture in verse number one. He says, come. Actually, in the scriptures, when you look at the Greek, there's only one word there, and it's come. It doesn't have and see, but what it does, it's tying those things together. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But actually, is that when that great living creature, one of the four living creatures that are standing before the throne of God, do you remember them? When I had the face of a lion, when I had the face of a cat, all that, those big great cherubim, those that keep the judgment of God and give order and governmental order of God's word, now here they come. It says that when that seal is opened, it said, come. In other words, what this word means is saying, come forth. Now, I want you to know this, and you can write this down. He's not telling him to come out of the back corners of heaven somewhere. This devilish thing riding on a white horse doesn't come from heaven. It ain't coming from heaven. It's coming straight out of the earth. It's coming forward. Listen, what he's saying is, and we're going to talk about it later in Revelation 13 and in 17, it actually says that it is a beast that arises out of the sea. You know what the sea is a representation of? In the, in the book of Revelation, the multitude of people. Out of the multitude of the people here or all over the earth, all over the United States, out of those people, what's going to happen? One is going to come out. It says, he says, come. And now look at what John says. Look at verse number 2 and you'll understand where that at sea is. He said, I saw. What happens is, is in the translation, it only says that the great one of those four angels said, come. But when John heard the come, that he was saying come, they were looking and they were seeing what was about to take place. There are some people that think that this, this thing on the white horse is coming out of heaven. And we're going to talk about this thing on the white horse. It's actually, if you want to write it down, go ahead and I'll let you beat me to the punch. But it's the Antichrist. It's the spirit of deception that is going to come out. Listen, it says there was a voice like thunder. What does that mean? We hear the thunder rolling. We know that a storm is coming. We know that judgment is going to come. Listen, look at what comes out. John says, and I looked and I saw in verse number two. Go back there with me, Brother Josh. He said, look and I saw. A white horse. He said, there's a white horse. Automatically, what do you think of, of, of a white horse? You think of a, a person that has royalty, that there's this regalness about them because of riding on a white horse. You would probably look for a scepter in their hand. You would look for one that is important. Uh, you would look for one also that really doesn't come into battle with a white horse, but when they're riding on a white horse, it means that they're coming back into the, to the, uh, of the halls of Rome and the streets of Rome and the cardo of Rome, and they're coming back as someone that is a victor. They're coming back as someone that is victorious when they're riding that white horse. People say in some churches and in some religions, they declare that the rider of this white horse in Revelation 6, 2, is Jesus. But it can't be. It can't be that because of this spirit of deception that is coming out. 
It's not Jesus coming in that judgment. We don't read of him riding a white horse until Revelation chapter 19 when he comes and puts an end to all of those things. By speaking it out, church, all of these things in the great battle will take place. But in this, what it's saying is, please pay attention. Listen, it's very, very important. What it's saying is, is out of the multitude of people, out of common people, there's going to come one that will rise up riding a white horse and look at the things that it says about them. Number one, it says that he will have a bow. It said he has a bow. Now, what it's talking about, I know some of you guys and hunters and stuff, you think it was a crossbow? Do you, you think it was a compound bow? What do you think it was? Well, it was a bow that had no arrows. We know that. There's no mention of the arrows that are there. There's no mention of a quiver full of arrows. There's no mention of him as he has this bow as though he's going to do something with it. You know, the Bible does teach us, though, that Satan himself tries to come against us. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the what fiery darts of the wicked. And when you think about a moment, that doesn't give the picture of a bow and an arrow, but it gives the picture of a fiery spear as though he is chunking spears at you and you are you are to put up your shield of faith and to go lord i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna allow that lord i i lift my faith up to you and you quench those fiery darts that the enemy is throwing against you bible does clearly say that satan comes with a strategy to do what to try to kill you to try to destroy you it says the enemy comes only to steal kill and destroy right but i've come to give you life and life more abundantly the bible says that that one that was riding a white horse, it says that he had a bow, but he had no arrows. This is different. Church, this is very different. What, what's the image that you have of Satan? And if you point to your husband, I'm going to get mad at you. The image that we have of Satan today is this red devilish looking with teeth sharpened like knives and a big old tail pointed at the end, you know, and holding a pitchfork. Everybody's image. When you think about Satan, you know, you think about Stephen King's it and that stupid, ugly clown, you know. You think, and there's enough of clowns in the world that are evil. We don't need one to be like a murdersome evil. But we, uh, I've seen a couple of them in the pulpits before. But anyway, you've got this image that it's this horrible thing and that he's coming to destroy you. Why? Because the Word of God paints that. The Word of God tells you that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that he's just wandering around looking for the next victim in order to kill. He's looking for that weak prey that's at the back of the herd, and he's trying to pick you off one by one by one by one by one. He is. But see, this is a different picture of Satan. This seems to depict one that is calm almost and almost has rational thinking. You've got to understand, church, that the Scriptures told us before Satan was cast down into the earth, and before he did all those things, that he was an angel of light that illuminated the throne of God, that we would probably think of him not as a cherubim, but a seraphim that was actually means fiery angel that would illuminate and that would light. You would think about him being one that would understand those things of God, be rebelled against God. We have one that is going to deceptively deceive many people. And he's riding on a white horse, but the thing that he has with him, first of all, is a bow. Now think for a moment what the world's going to be like when the church of God, the church that is trusted in Jesus Christ, think for a moment, what will, the, what will the world be like when the church is out of here? Now I know that the way the world presents us today, that Andrew, we don't, they seem to tell us we don't have much of what we call a foot in the world. We don't have a, a foothold. We don't have a foot in the door. We're made fun of. We're mocked nowadays. But think of the church over the last 2,000 years, the most influential people in the world the most loving, caring people in the world, the people who give to the most charities and needs and to go out and to work and to labor and through storms and all this stuff, but we just choose not to get a selfie of it all the time. The church who takes money and gives it to the poor, gives to the needy, works through the different funnels and channels. The church is also a part of the body that takes missionaries and sends them all to the corners of the earth. I'm not talking about just America. I'm talking about the church itself, capital C, what we're really supposed to be doing. We're doing all of this stuff. Now you imagine for one moment that that church, the embodiment of the body of Christ, and the ones that hold, Brother Ricky, the Spirit of God, indwells them. Take them out. Take them out of this place, and you will see all kinds of confusion. See, the church should be the ones, as we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should be able to come to an understanding of rational thinking. 
We are the ones that have not our own wisdom, but we seek the wisdom of God. And we are given the wisdom of God through what? Through the Holy Spirit. Listen, don't, before you go out and get mad at me and post something on Facebook, I'm not saying we're better than other people. I'm just saying that we have something that is better. But it is offered to all people. That doesn't make us any more special. It just makes us believers. And then all of a sudden, that church is out of here, and the Holy Spirit of God, Brother Keith, that indwells the embodiment, and the embodiment of the church, it is taken out of the earth, Brother John, and it is in heaven. And there we are as we are having a wonderful celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there is no spirit. There is no representation of Jesus Christ so far as we see the church and who they were. They're gone. Think about it. Think about it for a moment because when we close, I really want you to think about it. You know, the Bible talks about in Daniel chapter number 9 and in verse number 27, it gives an image about this guy riding a white horse and the reason that he has a bow with no arrows. Look at what it says. It says, This Antichrist will confirm the covenant with many people for one week out of that 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. It says, In the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation. It should stop. It should cease. And the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate even under the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. And you go, well, let's see, what does that mean? That's a lot, of, a lot of really big words. You know, it looks like I'm signing an automobile uh, contract or something. What it's talking about is the Antichrist is going to be coming in as he rides in on that white horse and he has a bow with no arrows. He's going to be offering peace. He's going to be coming in and going, I mean no harm. And listen, when the church is raptured out of here and all of the problems that we have in the world itself actually becomes even intensified as though you poured gas onto the fire, the world is ripe for looking for someone to give peace. The world will be ripe for this. Please listen. The world will be ready. They will be eating out of the hands, literally out of the hands of this person on the white horse. They will be deceived into believing a lie, and it will be ready. Let me tell you something. Does it bother you when a person that you love with all of your heart comes to hear the gospel, and you're praying that they would respond and be saved? Maybe it was your one last Sunday at that outreach event, and then they don't come, or they don't go down, or they don't pray and receive. Brother Adam, maybe witness somebody, and you're not going, we'll talk to somebody. Man, you're sharing the gospel with them, and you just know, man, you just know. Look, Sarah, you just know, you go, All right, today they're going to do it, they're going to do it today. They'll, and then they don't. And man, that hurt, not because they've rejected you. Who cares if they reject you? It's because they've rejected the gospel. Man, it hurts. But to know that those same people, if they are left behind, that they are going to be duped and deceived by a horrible person who says, peace and peace, that I've come to bring peace. You say, brother, see, why, why are you hanging out on this? Because you know what? When Jesus came to this earth, he came out of what? The multitude of the crowd, the multitude of people born of woman. A man conceived of the Holy Spirit. Everybody know the Christmas story? Born and he come up out of the midst of all of us. And when he was born and come up out of the midst of all of us, you know what all of Israel was looking for? They were looking for someone to come in on a white horse. Someone that was a victor. Someone that would do what? Bring peace and peace and peace to all of Israel, right? And now here we have Satan that says, you know what? I'm going to deceive them all. I'm going to fool them all because they look for Jesus to come that way. The first time he came, but he didn't come that way. He came as a lamb. He came as a lamb led before the slaughter, dumb before his shearers. They allowed him to beat him. They allowed him to kill him. Satan comes in and goes, you know what? I got the greatest plan. I'm going to take what God has said, and I'm going to change it and alter it a little bit, and I'm going to deceive everybody, and I'm going to get a whole bunch of people to die and go with me. That's his attitude. And somehow in the church, we've forgotten that by teaching fathers how to be five points of a good daddy, by teaching mothers how they should be the Proverbs 31 mother. Nothing's wrong with those things. But boy, don't we tiptoe around through the tulips a whole lot of times in church when we really need to get back to understanding that there's a great deceiver that's coming. And if you are left here, you will, you will not believe. You will be deceived. Listen, I'm going to go a little bit quicker, and we're going to close in just a moment. <clears throat> Listen, he says in the second thing, he has a bow. Look at the second thing. It says a crown was given to him. 
It does not say that God gave him the bow, and it does not say that God gave him the crown. It does not say that this is some kind of thing all right, that came out of heaven. It talks about that this judgment is now allowed by God as though it's a snarling dog, Brother John, behind this wall or this cage, and it's going, let me out! And finally, God says, give them what they wanted. So you're going to get mad, and you're going to blame God the Father, but you can't do that. You're going to say it's all God's fault, but no, it isn't, because you know why? He has restrained this white horse rider. He has put this white horse rider, this person, aside and aside and aside, and the grace has come to you, and the gospel has come to you. Your kids have prayed for you. Your preacher has preached to you. The people have begged you to come to Jesus. They get with you while you're on your deathbed, and you are fading out, and they say, Please, Paul, Paul, come to Jesus. Please, Mama, come to Jesus. Please, Daddy, come to Jesus. Please stop doing that. Please stop doing that. And God, the whole time, is allowing through His grace to hold back judgment and he's holding back all of that but he's telling you that if you do not repent you will be judged it says except you repent you shall all likewise perish because why God's grace and his extending of the spirit will not always be with mankind and the first seal is open and God says listen aren't you glad in the scriptures Cody it doesn't say that he lets all of them go at once no, but he lets open that one and he goes. <clears throat> and he has a crown that's given to him. Who gives him this crown? The world will give him this crown. The government will give him this crown. All of the union across the whole world that wants to combine even now as we speak. We're looking at what we would call the Amero. We're looking at the Euro. We're looking at money, monetary means, where we actually are already now in the last 15 years trying to dwindle down our monetary system to being only four. We want to take the United States with Canada and also with Mexico and make what's called an Amero. We have the Euro, and what it is is we go, this will be easy for you while you're flying, so you won't have to change your money system. But in the back of our minds, we must look at the book of Revelation and understand that that is exactly priming the pump for the Antichrist to come in and to deceive everyone. We have a thing today, and people go, you're a conspiracy person. No, I'm not. I'm a Scripture person. And I look at Scripture and understand that it takes the world time to catch up with Scripture. And listen, the Bible says that John talks about something that happened in the book of Revelation, that they would receive the mark of the beast of this Antichrist, and that it would be in their hands and in their foreheads. John was looking at things from 2,000 years ago that he probably didn't understand, and we today can look at it even closer. Did you know that they can take a grain of rice, it's the size of a grain of rice, it's actually called an RFID chip, it's a radio frequency identification device. Anybody ever rented a VHS movie before back in the day? Come on, you old people, raise your hand. We're, it's us. You remember whenever you walked out, that little thing would beep. You know, you'd walk out, and when you walked out with a movie, it would go beep, beep. Because on that movie was what? A little sticker. What did it say? Be kind. I told you there's old people in here. They just don't want to raise your hand. Probably can't raise their hand. <laughs> They're hurting. I peeled one off one day. Shame on you. Yes, and I've squashed pennies on railroad tracks. Listen, look at the back of it. What is it? It's like a little circuit board. You know what it does when it goes through those little things? It charges itself, and it sends an alarm back to the people there that, hey, they've got something. Well, we've, we've increased on that now. It's actually called Digital Angel. Boy, what a name. Brother Adam, I'm telling you, if you are an unbeliever, you ought to be terrified. It's called digital angel, and they'll take that grain of rice that's wrapped up piece of copper around this radio frequency identification device, and they can actually inject it with a syringe right there into your hand. You know, some of you ladies, you get a little too used to spending that MasterCard, that Visa, right? Come on, any men, you men, you bunch of sissies, say amen, you know it, huh? Them guys get over there and charge all that stuff too, you know. Boy, it's easy. I watched a guy the other day tore up, uh, cut up 23 credit cards. He said some of them wasn't even used. And I was like, man, that's just like temptation in the wallet. 23 of them. It would be real easy for you to cut up the credit cards. <laughs> but to put that in your hand, it's going to be hard for you to cut your hand off. 
People go, what do you mean what they're trying to do? They're selling it to you now because if your parent has Alzheimer's or your dog gets away or you're a diabetic or you have medical conditions that now when they find you on the ground and those paramedics come, they can scan that certain part of your arm and they can tell you what your medical part is. If uh, you have Alzheimer's and you've actually made your way into the store, when you walk into certain stores or even into people's certain doorways now, those things charge that up and tell you that grandma is over at so-and-so's house and you can go and pick her up if your dog is missing and it goes by something and it's charged, all of these things. And we look at it and go, wow, that would be so great. That would be so wonderful. Well, what if it gets into the hands of an antichrist that actually comes in offering peace and he's telling everybody that he can solve all the problems of the world. He can solve their hunger problems. He can solve their management problems. He can solve their monetary problems. He can do all this. And that stuff gets into the hands of the antichrist. Then it really becomes a little bit more understanding when you as a daddy can't even go down to Walmart and buy a bread, loaf of bread, for your family. One day's wage will not buy a loaf of bread. Hey, they can't do that to me. I got money. You can have all that money stuffed under your mattress all you want. When the Antichrist comes in and says, I can solve all the world's problems, that's what he's going to do. He's coming in, and the world does what? They give him this crown. The word is Stephanos. It's a crown. It means a crown that will actually fade away. It's a victor's crown. And what it is, it represents Rome. Stay with me. Represents Rome. And when they would run the races, Brother Carl, they would strive to get a crown. They'd get a trophy. Why would you want a trophy? So you could put it in the trophy case. Show everybody. They get that crown. But see, what differs is, is this. Paul said we are looking for a crown of righteousness or a crown of life. Did you know the same Greek word is Stephanos? But you know what's different? Is that it's not just a crown by itself, but it says a crown of life which fadeth not away. A crown of righteousness which fadeth not away. A crown of glory. A crown of life. And see, that's what makes the difference. But see, the Bible says that Jesus in Revelation chapter 19 is going to be crowned, but it's not going to be a Stephanos. It's not going to be a crown of life, crown of glory. It's not, no, it's a diadem. Amen. It's the king's crown. It's a crown that's made with precious metals and stones that will not fade away, that you cannot get rid of, church. The Bible says that this person's going to come in and he's going to have a bow but no arrows and he's going to be presenting himself as he's a victor. And all of a sudden, the people that are left behind, if you're left behind, you're going to be going, oh, he's a great leader and he ain't done nothing. He's a great leader, but he's done nothing. You know why? Because he's going to be declaring peace. Look at these other things. We'll, we'll close. Come on, Andrew. He went forth conquering. And to conquer. It says he went forth conquering and to conquer. This, this person actually is presenting himself as though he has fought battles and won them. And now he's coming in going, I've defeated all of your enemies. For that, I'm not sure and we don't know. We don't know by scripture. But understanding that he's a deceptive person. And understanding that this antichrist is a great deceiver. I wonder if he could use the fact and say, I come in riding on my white horse now, and all those people that are gone, they're vanquished. The church that's been raptured out of here, all those people that used to tell you, you've got to believe in Jesus, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. I wonder sometimes if he's presenting himself as that conqueror, as though he's going to lie and tell people, I've conquered over all of these things, and now all those people that were in our way, they're gone. Because he's going to deceive people. The Bible says that his name is not only Satan, but it says his name, which means adversary, but his name is devil, which means slanderer, which means that he slanders your name. And he's going to come out and he's going to be conquering and going out or going forth to conquer. You know what that means? Is, Brother Lee, it means that his image, as it starts in the beginning, is going to build and grow upon each thing. That the people that were infatuated him are going to absolutely fall head over heels for him. The people that thought great of him, by the time he's in leadership, Brother John, for three years, they're going to be eating out of his hands and praising every work that he does. Around their tables, they're going to be feasting and eating because they're going to receive the mark of the beast. And they're going to be able to have all of the goods and 
They're going to be rejoicing around their tables as they get fat from the food that they eat. And you know whose name is going to come up? That great rider of the white horse. And they're going to brag on him and they're going to talk about him. And after three and a half years, he's going to take his mask off and he is going to unleash all of his fury. He's going to deceive people. He's going to lure them in. Listen to me, what do we get from this? We're not going to go any further in the Scriptures today, but what do we gather from a person that rides this white horse and he's going forth to conquer and doing all this? Who is he? He's the Antichrist. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, if you can find that, Josh, it says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great wonders, signs and wonders, insomuch, look, as if it were possible. If it were possible that they shall deceive the very elect. What's he talking about the very elect? We understand that the very elect being the children of Israel. And it says here in the scripture, Jesus says when this stuff goes down and it starts to happen, he says even the very elect, if it were possible, even the very elect, the children of Israel that do what? That know the promises, know the covenants, know the word of God, do all the sacrifices and do all this stuff. He says even the very elect could be deceived. Now here's what you think. You think, Brother Steve... You're trying to scare me. And I want you to know that I have prayed that God terrify you. I have prayed that if you don't know Jesus, that God would terrify you. Well, Brother Steve, I just don't believe in that salvation where you're scared. And I'm going to tell you something. You better be scared. You better be terrified of what will happen if you reject Jesus today. When you reject Jesus now, this is what will happen. This is what will go on. And here's what you're tempted to say right now. Well, I'll just get saved then. I'll just get saved then, and it's going to be okay. Brother Steve, I'm going to ride this thing all the way up to the tribulation time, and I'll just do it then. And i got to tell you, that couldn't be any dumber. Because of right now, you don't have to give anything. He's given it all for you. But, you really, Brother Brian, would you, would you sit here today, and I know you wouldn't, but go, I'm not going to get saved now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. And when the tribulation comes, that's when I'm going to come. That's when I'm going to go. You know what's going to happen if you go through the tribulation? And by chance, if any at all, any chance at all, all of these that are with you, you're going to have to not receive that mark. And so therefore, you're going to starve to death. To death. Your children will grow up and not have anything to eat. Their bellies will be extended. Their weight will be lost. And you're going to watch your children die off. Your wife. It says there's going to be a demonic force that is unleashed out of a pit that has a sting of a scorpion. And it says that you're actually going to be crying for rocks to fall on you. Why would you say, I'm going to wait? But the other thing is this. Let me say something to you. If you think you'll be deceived on that day, that you wait and the white horse rider comes, I have to tell you, you're deceived now. Because you will not believe then. If you will not believe now, you will not believe then. You say, well, how dare you? Because when the Antichrist comes in with his delusion and deception, he is going to make you think that he's the actual Christ. He's going to try to convince you by his peace offering that he loves you and that he's the one. And you're going to be deceived. You say, well, Brother Steve, well, what about the Holy Spirit will convict me? Wait, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is gone with the, body, with the church. You have a Bible now. You have the Holy Spirit now. You have people that love you now. You have people that are willing to ask you over and over, come to Christ, come to Christ, come to Christ. And you're going to reject him? You'll be deceived. This white horse rider... He's not somebody we want to mess with. He's a liar. And he's a deceiver. And you need to come to Christ now. Church, if you have somebody that's lost, you've got to tell them. You need to wake up. You need to wake up out of your sleep and out of your apathy and out of, well, they're going to be mad at me. That doesn't matter. It's time to wake up and go, hey, I don't want anybody to be left here. I don't want anybody to be left behind. Your church attendance 
God's not going to go, oh, you came to Wednesday night dinner, but you left. Don't hear the sermon. I'll say, I'll amen that one. Amen. Amen, Brother Steve. You come to eat. You come to fellowship. You come to do all this. God's going to go. Depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. And you're going to go, God, how could you do that? And he's going to go, I have offered grace unto you. I have been merciful and gracious unto you. I have loved you with an unconditional love and told you all the years of your life, I love you. And you didn't come then. You didn't come. What do we do? How do you close a service like that? Let me ask you something. You ever stop and just think for a moment what it's going to be like? Our baseball careers, our football careers, our singing careers, our jobs, our, our retirements, our investments, our 401ks, all that. All that stuff don't matter. Are they important? Yeah. But when it's over, it doesn't matter. That's why the Bible says this, and I'm going to close with 1 Thessalonians. Chapter number 5, and I just want to read a few verses of Scripture where the Joshua put up there. It says, but the seasons, times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh, look, as a thief in the night. <clears throat> For when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not, Escape it. It says, but you, brethren. Brethren changes, Brother Ricky. That's talking to the believers. That'd be brethren and sistren. says, you are not of darkness. says, and in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. He says, but you are called the children of light. Children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not... Sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. It says, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken or be drunken are drunken in the night. Verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Look at this last verse. For God hath not appointed us in the wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that if you're here today without Jesus Christ, that He is not. He's not sitting back wanting you to go through the wrath of the great tribulation. He says he's long-suffering and he loves you. He wants you to obtain salvation. He wants you to come and say, Lord, please save me. Save me. Brother Steve, I, I'm terrified about it. That is the first seal. First one. This world is going to be judged. Don't be left behind to be judged in it. Will you stand with me as we pray together? Andrew's going to sing.